OWC Radio is sponsored by Otherworld Computing, delivering perfectly tailored workflow solutions for every tech user with trusted storage, connectivity, software, and expansion products, and 24-7 U.S.-based technical support. OWC believes in making a better world where technology inspires imagination and everything is possible. Find your solution at MaxSales.com. It's time for OWC Radio, Tech Talk with Creatives, conversations with host Serena Catania. This is Serena Catania with OWC Radio. I'm back again, and we have been talking in the previous few minutes with Mark Leisure and Ed Lance about their involvement with this wonderful challenge called Humans in Space Art. And we were able to get Kate on the phone, Kate McCallum, which I'm really excited about. Kate is a writer, producer, and she was on this team. Now, the Vortex team was one of the major sponsors of this event. So, uh, Kate, I want to ask you, because you weren't here earlier, what was your involvement and how do you feel about this project? I um, I work um, with Vortex in the capacity of creative development, kind of business strategy from a more um, interpersonal level with the artist and the creative community, as well as heading up a 501c3 nonprofit that we launched back in 2004 called the C3 Center for Conscious Creativity. So Vortex generously has been a supporter of our nonprofit as well. And we are able to kind of have our headquarters here and also host events and support artists through our 501c3 nonprofit um, doing work that is exploratory or more on the social impact spectrum versus a for-profit spectrum. So C3 functions that way. So I kind of stand as a bridge between that work as well as the you know commercial work that we do through Vortex. And then I have my own company, Bridge Arts Media. So um, my role in this particular endeavor um, with Vortex was to help um, support through pre-production coordination helping produce the show itself and just working as an interface between Jancy and her team and the Vortex team, as well as Los Angeles Center Studios, which is where our offices and the Vortex Dome is based in downtown Los Angeles. And kudos to them because they also supported the event. Yeah, they're wonderful. You know, we were talking earlier, so I got some of this from Mark and Ed. How did you feel when you walked in that room and saw all those young people there? What went through your mind? Hope for the future, like absolute joy. Um, I love young people and inspiring them and helping them, you know, creatively express themselves. I think the more we can empower youth with creativity and the arts as whole system um, education, you know, I think that um, I grew up in a Midwestern town um, and we had so much art and support in music. We had a band, we had an orchestra, we had a choir, and everybody had those accessible to them as young people. And I think that even though someone may be tracking into science or um, you know, medicine or teeth, any, any skill set. If you have music or if you have art or creativity and exposure to those art forms at a young age to add to your life experience kit and the way you perceive or feel or experience, it's so empowering as a young person. So I was just so impressed with what Jancy's doing and what um, OWC also supported. And it was just, um, it was amazing and what the kids generated was so impressive i mean when you empower children and young people to 
to have a platform, it's so exciting because they're so talented on so many levels when they are given the freedom and the tools. So yeah, that's my two cents. (laughs) I think it's wonderful. I think it's really wonderful. I just knowing what she, her heart's behind and also as a, another woman who's taken on having a nonprofit as well as a for-profit company and being entrepreneurs, God bless her because that's a lot of work and it's a lot of um, contribution from a very um, philanthropic place, you know, to do that and try to run and support a nonprofit. So I think that she has a very, very big heart and a tremendous compassion for helping bridge science and art. And I think that that's an incredible juxtaposition to support youth going into these areas that may not be as appealing if they're just presented from a textbook or intellectual perspective, you know, with testing and scores and add art to science. It's magical. And um, I think that she's really onto something with this organization and even the title of it, SciArt Exchange just catches your eye, catches Mm -hmm. your ear, it catches your attention. And I believe that it really is um, progressive and futuristic and and is setting a template for what our schools could also adapt. So yeah, she's fantastic. So Mark, how do you feel about the company's involvement in things like this, uh, this challenge that you just supported? Well, that's, that was one of the, the most exciting parts about having this opportunity uh, when it was brought to us is it's really in the sweet spot of who we are as a, as a company, what we aspire to, to bring to the world, um, the desire to support the youth, the, the otherworldliness of the format and the domes and, and this environment lend itself so perfectly to the creativity and and, and, and everything that Kate just mentioned about Jancy and Sired Exchange and what they're about. And, and obviously what OWC supports in bringing its technology out to the world. So it was really kind of a perfect combination of tech and inspiration and, uh, you know, betterment for, for the, the, the imagination of the, the, and, and empowerment of our youth. Uh, was really exciting. A lot of fun project. So do you think you're going to be doing more of this? Absolutely. It's very much... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it, it's part of our mission. It's core to who we are, not only working with the kids, but working with the kids in all of us. Um, in fact, I've, uh, I, I have, like to joke around a little bit that I, I uh, wasn't really good at being an adult, so I stopped. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, a little I'm bit so tongue. <laughs> people say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I'm not grown up yet. Ask right. Me later. <laughs> exactly. So I think, uh, you know, that's part of uh, at least what I'm aspiring to do is try to walk that line of returning us as a company and as, as, a, as a society to that imagination and that wonder and that awe of being excited to be alive, yet being successful at the same time. I don't believe you have to be one or the other. I don't believe it has to be work or play. And the more that we can, and that, that, that means we have to challenge the norms of, of what we have been. And, and in, in some ways, that's what the Dome asks you to do. Every time, you know, Ed and Kate and team reimagine a new world or a, a format, an a, a experience, they're asking you to kind of stretch the bubble a little bit. And, 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 you know, everyone walks in there, the kids and Larry himself, and I know, you know all, all the, the people that experience that 
you immediately kind of step back and the eyes get big and, and it, it asks you to rethink things. And I think there's so much good that can come from that. I agree. Where do people go to hear more about your involvement in the SciArt Challenge? That's uh, humansinspaceart.com and also the SciArt Exchange uh, website, uh, SciArtExchange.com. And then, of course, you can follow us at VortexImmersion.com and VortexDomes.com. Uh, which are uh, our main landing page. Awesome. The Vortex team is an amazing group of very inspiring producers, writers, directors, and they are creating these amazing shows that take place in the Vortex Dome, and they go to various locations around the world. I know they're permanently planted in downtown Los Angeles, and I'm probably making mistakes about what I'm telling you about them, but if you have a chance to go online and look up Mesmerica, check that out. We're going to talk more with Ed Lance, who is the uh, co-founder and president and CTO of Vortex, and uh, Mark Leisure, who is the CEO, and Kate McCallum, who's the writer, producer, and a dynamic force. So hello, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to do this. You were introduced to me by Larry O'Connor, who is the owner of OWC who was one of the sponsors of the recent sci-fi challenge, The Humans in, in Space, and he fell in love with what you were doing. So I'm so grateful for you taking the time to be here today. So can you answer what is Vortex and when did it start and, and why? Well, uh, I founded Vortex in 2007, and uh, I had previously uh, spent a number of years working in planetariums. So I started out as an aerospace engineer um, after seven years of that. The artist in me uh, clawed its way out, and uh, I left aerospace to work in a planetarium writing code to make the sun and the moon go and developing an automation system that we sold 15 of and rolled half a million dollar profit back into making laser light shows. <laughs> and, and I was just always taken by uh, the immersive nature of, uh, uh, of the dome screen, uh, just covering your entire retina. And uh, it occurred to me, if we could map pixels to this thing, uh, it would be like virtual reality. Uh, so uh, in the mid-90s, um, I uh, left uh, the planetarium to work for a planetarium manufacturer, uh, now Evans and Sutherland uh, slash Spitz. Uh, two companies merged, and um, we started selling these systems, uh, multi-projector edge-blended video displays. Uh, and um, so that has now developed into an entire industry. There's uh, six or eight uh, manufacturers. There's uh, 1,600 digital domes worldwide in planetariums and science centers. Uh, IMAX just released a digital dome system, uh, which is rolling out. And uh, that has created uh, a platform, basically, uh, for uh, the production and distribution of these highly immersive uh, uh, shows and uh, I think of it as like digital Cirque, if you will. Um, Cirque du Soleil show Ka um, is a $130 million theater with a moving stage uh, to create this massive spectacle. So what we're able to do now is bring in visual effects artists to create spectacle uh, in a digital format. Because as you know, anything you can imagine in your mind uh, can now be created on the silver screen. So the domes are simply taking that screen and wrapping it completely around your head to create the illusion that you're not just watching that environment through a window, but that you're actually in that world. 
and it triggers uh, different brain states than uh, film or television can uh, ordinarily access in people. So, uh, and, and one of those is the sense of awe, which you get from the grand spectacle of a Cirque show. When you say wrap around your head, explain to people, because this is a radio, it's not goggles, right? It's way up there and it's all around you and you're... What, they, right. what happens when they walk in the dome? Can you describe it? You know, people think of a planetarium as a digital sky, if you will. And, and it really is kind of like that. Um, uh, you look up and you don't see, uh, you know, air conditioning ducts and <laughs> singing from trusses or anything like that. Uh, you're looking into infinite space. And that's the idea. The dome, <clears throat> lights go down, theater disappears. We recreate reality for an entire audience of, in some cases, thousands of people. Uh, so it's sort of like putting a, a VR headset on thousands of people without the need for individual headset. Uh, I think of it as a, instead of a sports car driving through VR uh, or, 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 you know, gaming in VR, it's kind of like a tour bus through VR for a group of people. What an amazing gift that you are to the Vortex, but also the Vortex is for you because you're left, right brain. Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> Right, right, Kate. You're, Definitely, you're laughing, but it's true, isn't it? It is true. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's interesting that you mentioned that and picked up on that because Ed, um, Ed and I often speak together. We'll be um, invited to speak at conferences and um, you know panels, and he often speaks on the uh, science and tech side, and I'll often speak on the story side. But then there's crossover between us um, because of you know we we both are. Definitely trying to balance our brains. <laughs> I, I definitely have to work harder on my left brain. That reminds me about the writing because how do you how do you work as a producer writer and make all this happen? Interesting. That's a really good question. Most of my background, I was twenty years in the studios and I worked um, with writers, showrunner producers. So I worked in mainstream television and feature film development and production. And then my aspirations, you know, not knowing really um, where my skill sets were best used in the industry, because I came from Michigan and moved to LA when I was in my 20s. I, I want, you know, I didn't know exactly which track to go down. And so as I started working in the studios, I realized that I was probably more oriented toward producing, but yet I was very interested in the creative process of birthing a story and then pulling the teams together. So I ended up um, uh, becoming a development executive, uh, which I loved, which utilizes both skill sets of producer and writing. So I, while I had written screenplays, you know, a few on the side, um, I wasn't really pushing that side of myself into a career track as a writer, but I gained you know, tremendous writing skills because I worked with some of the top writers in the industry. So that was, ex that was really part of my kind of early career DNA, the writing and developing of the stories and then how you put them together. And of course, in, you know, the motto in screenwriting is always show it, don't say it. So um, I met Ed um, at a conference and he talked about these dome theaters and then I, you know, I was so interested in that. And then I ended up meeting with him in Philadelphia and he showed me a dome theater and, you know, a film on the screen. And at that time I was working on Law and Order. And when I saw the power of the format, I was so blown away. And I really said, Ed, I want to work with you. I think this is, a, this is the future of a new media format that I really think could be extremely successful and powerful. So. 
So I've been very fortunate to um, work alongside Ed and Vortex. And we actually, when we put the dome up in 2010 here at the studio, we um, brought in artists because artists, you know, were very drawn to the space. So we started an artist in residence program and really let the artists explore the space and kind of between Ed helping them technically and kind of my support on the creative side, we um, created a pretty robust program to uh, allow artists to come in and, and explore and then supported them in public performances because we can also do that in our little theater. So it's, it's been, yeah, it's been such it's an wonderful. amazing, yeah, really, really uh, fabulous. And as a musician myself, also. Um, oh, you're a musician too. Okay. <laughs> as is Mark and is Ed. Ed plays amazing hand oh, hands. Oh my gosh. Mark okay, is a Vortex singer. band. I'm sorry. I talked over you. It's awesome. The Vortex band. We're starting a new band. We're, we're multifaceted. That's for yeah. sure. I'll tell you a secret. I wanted to be an opera singer. Oh, that's my training. <gasps> Okay. Okay, girlfriend. <laughs> this is another conversation. Of me. We, we do. Give us an aria, Kate. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Did you Oh, study? that's awesome. Did you study? Yes, opera? I did. I actually had to I did. I was living in France studying conservatory. Amazing. And when I graduated from high school, I had to make a decision because I was offered a scholarship to go to Paris. Or did I want to come to the United States and go to college? And so I decided to go back to my country. And yeah. And you so. didn't choose music in, in a U.S. college? Yeah, it's a long story. <laughs> not for this, not for this. But yeah, music, yes. that I think is one of the reasons why I so resonated with what you guys are doing, because it's a combination of art and music and emotion and technology. And, you know, and this has got to be a dream come true. And Mark, for you... You're the CEO, so you're watching all of this happening, and you're thinking about the big picture, and I'm assuming also the financing and and the the bottom line. And but you're very creative too with your with the uh, the other things that you do in your life. You have the show called Life Changes. Yeah. Life, Life Changes, Changes is a, a show that that actually led me back towards Vortex, um, and I feel like uh, everything I've done for decades now has led to vortex um mm-hmm. so yeah thank you for for bringing that up uh we all play unique and overlapping roles and uh i think i'm one of the few people on the planet that thinks is as broad as ed does so uh we really hit it off and uh uh you know my uh my aim is to really help support building out the infrastructure so that the team that ed and kate and the team can do what they do best um, and really get this supported now so this format can go uh, permanent and interactive and standardized, and which, again, is how we started talking to OWC because of the demands of that type of a global interconnected network. Um, so we're really shifting from every time that Vortex did one of its you know, hundreds of, of big brand events, it would have to be a developer, it would have to be a tech company, and it would have to be a studio. So there's very different skill sets. And it was actually a creative project that led me to Vortex. And I do kind of span that, uh, the bridge of being both creative and having worked in, in entertainment and production, but also having come from Wall Street and worked within the finance world and, and, and worked with uh, technology commercialization teams. So you know, we all have our roles and, and Vortex is really uniquely positioned with 
pioneering expertise in this format, but the ability now to to uh, benefit from that expertise and, and take it global and scale it. Who wants to answer the question, what is Mesmerica? I call it a visual musical journey with poetic narrative. And I love it, that. Yeah, it's like a semaphoric storytelling, semaphoric narrative. In other words, using symbols to take you on a journey uh, and not just dialogue or words. Kate's actually producer of the show. Uh, I was executive producer, but we all worked with um, James Hood, sat down and said, what do you want to do? And uh, James said, I want to bring happiness to people. And uh, I, I love his quote about uh, happier than when they came in. Yep. He yes. wants to make people happier than when they came in. And I watched the, uh, the video that's online and I saw the look on people's faces of utter wonder and almost this childlike appreciation for life itself that is is really unusual. Think about all the entertainment that's out there right now and how negative some of it is and how violent some of it is and what you guys are doing. So I wanted to ask you about James. How did you find him? And because he's pretty he's pretty awesome. Um, very great question. And he is an extraordinary man. Um, we started, after I met Ed, I launched a, a small arts and music label under my company banner, where I brought visual artists and musicians together, because Ed had launched a channel called the Harmony Channel, which was a showcase on Comcast VOD for visual music. And so we worked together. That was our first kind of collaboration before Vortex. And so I just in in that job, I found the power of visual music and uh, really felt compelled to continue working in that space. So the Dome was a perfect format for that. So we started um, having visual music concerts back in 2011 with um, another artist, Noah Winter Lazarus and Audrey Phillips collaborated on our very first concert. And then we had Steve Roach come in and work with Audrey. And Steve is amazing. He's a Grammy-nominated artist. He did three concerts in our dome, as well as many other visual music combos. And then James came in in 2013, and he had an album called Ceremony. And he wanted to do a dome show. And so we worked with him to create a dome show that we then presented live on several occasions in the Vortex Dome. And then Ed helped James take it to Europe and it was showcased in Jena, Germany at a dome festival. And then it also um, showcased in Hamburg at the planetarium there. And so um, then James did another album called Mesmerica and he plays the hang drum, which is a really unique acoustical drum, which looks like two walks that have been melded together. And that's the primary tonal instrument because he used to be the percussionist for Chrissy Hines and the Pretenders. So he's a, you know, a percussionist and a composer, but the hang is his primary instrument now under this label called Mood Swings. So um, he brought the album back to us and said, let's do another show. So we started working on the show in the summer of 2017 and finished it nine months later last year, last summer in July. And we showcased it down in San Diego at the Fleet Planetarium, where you live, Serena. And, and my um, daughter told me she tried to get tickets for it and couldn't get tickets. Often <laughs> <laughs> sold so that's, out. Yeah. That's it's a sell- good sign. That's a exactly, good sign. Yeah. Exactly. It sells out a lot. But the beauty of that show is that we licensed animations from animators that work in Fuldom from around the world. So we have artists um, contributing to this project from Japan, from Germany, from Russia, from um, Israel, 
here in America. Um, I, I can't remember if I've missed any Did other countries. Did you work with Beeple? Because yes. I know Beeple. Yeah, I love him. I just love him. Yeah, uh, we were talking about it earlier when uh, Ed and Mark and I were, were talking. He's he's pretty amazing. So the, he is. So for people who haven't seen the show, I mean, it's it's James is on stage performing live, right? Well, Most the of way, the time, or what happened is what we did is um, we created the one hour film, which then serves as the backdrop for James to play live. So he plays in front of it only in the Vortex Dome, because what happened is we did do it live in San Diego, and we also did it live up at the Chabot Planetarium in Oakland. And it was just cost prohibitive for us to tour our tech team, because we had to bring a sound person and a lighting person, and then put everyone up in hotels. And so what we realized is that people really responded to the film as well. And so we said, well, let's just see if we can show the film. And, you know, and not have James performing in front of it and see how that goes. And people loved it and it was perfectly um, acceptable to them. And so we decided that we would just start to focus on marketing the film itself, but then have James do the live performances in our theater in Los Angeles because he lives here in Altadena, California. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's easy for him to come to the studio and perform, but it's the same film that's touring as well that is is played on the screen behind him. Ah, I really want to see this live. I I just really do. So I wanted to ask you actually about how many people are on your crew? Who wants to talk about that? Ed, why don't you answer that question? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we have about a dozen people uh, working uh, with Vortex in in, um, primarily in Los Angeles and lots of contractors in the periphery. You know, it's interesting because it's a very eclectic mix of, um, uh, you know, like on the live performance, Mesmerica, um, you have a a lighting uh, person on lighting, sound, uh, you know, of course you have stage hands, you have somebody running video and uh, the uh, producer. uh, Yeah. And then the show extends into the building uh, not just the dome. Uh, when you arrive, there's um, sort of a, a a beautiful space that's themed out a bit, and uh, you have massage in one corner. You have a virtual reality experience. You have uh, you know a different aroma uh, uh, elixir bar. Yeah, and so you know it's like a whole experience that that we uh, seek to create, and uh, and and we're really doing our best to bring experience that experiential element to the uh, planetarium and IMAX domes where we're performing as well. Uh, Though that's a process because um, uh, we're, you know, when you go out to these different domes, you know, we have to uh, hire some local people to do that uh, work locally. And uh, you know, so it's limited, you know, what we're able to do. Some of them have their own gift shop and they don't want us selling anything there. And um, so, you know, our, our ultimate vision is to build our own arts and entertainment venues uh, ultimately around the world. And uh, so every city should have a dome dedicated to arts and entertainment or maybe a, a small dome plex. Uh, so you have um, performing arts theater, you have a, a stand-up sort of multi-use immersive space like that, you know, so it's, it becomes sort of a multi-purpose uh, uh, creative placemaking, cultural arts, entertainment, uh, convergence uh, center, if you will. 
I love it. Mark, where, how many cities are you guys in? From Vortex perspective, in terms of, you know, there's two, two parts to that uh, answer because there is the, the distribution uh, of the content and, and where Mesmerica is. And then there's also the development uh, plan. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have uh, uh, a uh, MOU in Phoenix uh, to be building one of our larger domeplexes. And there's various cities that we're in discussions with for what will become the, the primary Vortex network with the extended network uh, that has already been, uh, uh, is being uh, developed and utilized by uh, the Mesmerica distribution. I'm really encouraging people to learn more, learn more about this. Let's talk about the live aspects of this and directing it. And what does that look like during a show? Sure. Uh, well, I guess I can speak to that since I'm the um, stage director. <laughs> appropriate um, well, you know um, one of the things that we strive to do and and we just really are just scratching the surface with mesmerica uh, but uh, when the show performs live we want to bring the immersive uh, like infinite environment uh being projected on the dome we want to bring that seamlessly into the room and around the stage so uh we have a moment uh in mesmerica where uh, James is playing in this cosmic, almost like uh, Avatar Pandora forest uh, that's glowing and little particles arising and a beautiful sky with patterns happening and comets and everything. Um, and, and there's these plants that are luminous plants. Uh, well, we went out and bought some plants that kind of look like that and uh, painted them with fluorescent paint. <laughs> and uh, so in I that segment like, we turn the lights down and we bring on the black lights and the whole room lights up and it looks like uh you know what's wrapping around you on the dome comes actually into the room and around the stage so you know that's just one attempt to create that sort of effect so i'm picturing you in a in a room somewhere switching i mean how how does this i've never done a show like this so you have to yeah how does this work i mean i'm you know to be honest, the show is quite simple and we were forced to make it simple uh because uh, when we took it on the road um most of the planetariums out there if you try to do a live performance they really don't have uh, what you would consider, uh, you know, live performance, uh, show control capacity. So you can't like, you know, hit cues and, 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 and they don't even have lighting or anything. So we had to bring our own lights down to San Diego. Uh, we had to um, uh, give them a video file with the music already on that. So we had a sound bed on there. So James is playing live over or a pre-recorded sound bed. Because the, the theaters do not have the capability to operate the video live like a cue list. So, so really what we're doing uh, in L.A. now is uh, we push a button and the lights are programmed. The video is programmed. The background music that James is playing over is programmed. And then the sound drops out at one point in the show and James takes over and plays live for a while. And then... And, but everything uh, pretty much runs itself. You know, there's some live sound mixing that we have to do to balance the microphones because he is playing live. Uh, but uh, it's a very simple show. And it's, um, uh, you know, it's made our lives okay, easy. For everybody listening, here's a tip. This is a brilliant mind saying <laughs> easy. It's not easy, Ed. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's really difficult. It is, uh, you are, you are fibbing. That makes it look easy. <laughs> 
That's like Einstein saying, no problems. No, it's true. Engineers do that. They understate things. And I think that that's one thing that you do. There had to have been, it took you nine months to put the film together for Ms. Programming the show was another matter. Yeah. Especially since we didn't know what we were doing. You know, so we experimented a lot. There were a lot of test screenings. uh, And, uh, and, and actually, you know, what, what, we're really anxious to do now is use uh, biometrics like EEG. So we want to have a small audience hooked up and wire their brains. right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and because we want to understand better how this is affecting your mind. Oh my gosh. And ultimately uh, I think we can use AI to watch your brain, control the visuals and tweak the visuals until we optimize the brain states that we want, right? <laughs> I love this. I'm in a sci-fi movie at the moment. Mark, you're looking at me. You're looking yeah, at me. Yeah, I wanted, to add, I wanted to add to this because this has been the joy of watching this unfold. But it's really, it, as this format becomes more and more accepted and standardized and uh, out there, uh, it, it is not a layup in terms of producing in in this it's a new way of storytelling the industry hasn't just jumped into the production in this format because it's not a natural uh evolution it's a different way of storytelling and there's a reason it's not just a bigger screen it your neurology as as an individual is 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 programmed from birth right and so when you flip a switch and the sky changes that is an experience, and it takes you a minute to adjust to that. It's understanding how the audience uh, is going to react, when to use it, how it's going to affect some, uh, the, the individual that much more deeply. Uh, it's, a, it's a process. It's a shift in consciousness in the way that we're exchanging information. And, and it's, uh, uh, it really is a paradigm shift in, uh, in that exchange. So it's something that's been very exciting, but it's also something that we have unique experience because of years of, of them having produced that, you know, in engaging with audiences, seeing their reactions, knowing how far to go or when to pull back or, or giving them just the right moment to ground and, and really kind of get centered. You know, there's a, there's a much deeper uh, conversation around this, which then leads all the way back to what you started to talk about with content like Ms. America, where we take great responsibility in how is the format used and how are we showing up in community. So if we can get you laughing and dancing and playing and or experiencing a deeper meaning, but doing it from a mindful and intended space, a very profitable endeavor, but it's a very prosperous endeavor from a a human perspective. Um, You know, filmmakers come into this format and uh, often uh, are very challenged. And there's a cinematic language uh, that's used in film. And, and it primarily depends on the frame, right? And you think about it like if a typical storytelling modality would be, uh, uh, you know, you, you have an establishing shot of a fellow a businessman walking with a, a briefcase. And next thing you know, uh, there's a tight shot of his uh, white knuckles gripping the briefcase and, and, and then a tight shot of sweat on his brow and the micro expressions of fear. And, <laughs> and you know, I mean, this is, this is how sto- these are how stories are told, right? Now, in the dome, you'd see the establishing shot just fine, the fellow walking with the briefcase. But if you wanted to see his hand gripping, uh, you'd fly up close to his hand, but then you'd be looking up at his head way overhead and, 
And then when you do the tight shot of his face, his face would be 30, 40 feet tall in the dome and people would scream and (laughs) you really can't quite use this thing, right? And what's very interesting, I've I've been researching this. um, uh, A fellow, uh, one of the founders of Pixar, um, Lauren Carpenter, uh, uh, gave me a book years ago called The Death and Resurrection Show. And he said, Ed, you have to read this because uh, what you're doing, uh, this applies to that. And it's um, uh, Rogan Taylor, I believe, is the author. And uh, what he writes about is uh, the shamanic roots of entertainment industry. He's saying, you know, entertainment industry came out of shamanic storytelling. And the shaman managed the psyche of the tribe. And they would go deep into these mystical states of consciousness and come out with stories and prophecies and and, 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 and uh, you know, insights in how to heal the tribe and how to help the tribe. And, um, uh, and then they would express that through stories and rattles and drums and vocal drama and, and, and all that sort and of masks. thing. And masks. Yeah, masks and, and props and all kinds of things. So um, that has survived today. Um, but uh, uh, Mr. Taylor made the point that, you know, a lot of the mystical roots – are gone and what we have is a little bit hollow you know because we have the trappings of storytelling but not the soul and the purpose of storytelling so what's interesting with the domes is that you're going back into this sort of almost like a sacred space uh when when you're in the dome you walk in and you're just mind is overwhelmed uh with uh wow you know i'm in the other world and we can recreate reality and take people on these journeys uh, but uh, not just journeys into physical reality. You know, the domes before planetariums used uh, video projection uh, was being used in military simulators and flight simulators, right, to simulate reality. We can now simulate the experience of going in the mind. And, and um, you know, it, 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 in cinematic storytelling, if you told the story of a Zen master having a samadhi experience, um, you just see some dude sitting there with his eyes closed, right? <laughs> How do you tell that story? You know, we express our emotion through behavior and expressions. Um, but what about some of these internal states of consciousness? It takes seven years for a Zen master to teach you how to achieve these states of consciousness. I believe that we can now uh, start to uh, model uh, states of consciousness and, and now learn through observation and even experiences uh, for how to organize our internal state of affairs, you know. So th- this is uh, this is as Mark mentioned paradigm shift. That to me is is at least one of the areas of immersive media uh, that is a huge uh, paradigm shift for storytellers. You know what I love about this, and I could talk to you guys all day, but I'm going to have to let you go at some point. There is an element here where I can honestly say that you can all three be trusted to take good care of the people that come in to see this because you're putting them in a space that opens up their hearts and their minds and their creativity. And what you're doing is so positive and so awe-inspiring and beautiful and gives them an opportunity to question the universe. And I haven't even seen it. All I've seen are the, are the videos that you have online. So I can imagine that, uh, it, it's got to be. I, I know why the people are coming out looking wide-eyed the way they are. Thank you. I just wanted to give kudos to James Hood, especially, and also Michael Saul, our director, who directed Mesmerica. 
Um, when we started working on Mesmerica, we, we looked at the science of happiness and we also looked at positive psychology. And these are two very strong movements, you know, in the psychological area of study. In fact, um, at Berkeley, there's a scientific study or center for the scientific study of happiness and they offer courses in happiness. So, um, you know, we really did some research on um, some of the hard science that's going on in this space, as well as, you know, neuroscience and looking at um, interior states of mind. And James was very, very, you know, uh, deeply committed to that. So the sci-art thematics that's underlying the entertainment and the art and the visuals as well is embedded in it very lightly. It's not pedantic. It's not, you know, preachy or anything like that, but it's definitely woven into the piece to really honor people in their own inner lives and how to create more sense of peace and happiness in their own selves. So um, I just wanted to add that because there is a really impressive body of work that's emerging on this science of happiness and positive psychology that we are also excited to, you know, expose um, through this project. And, you know, that's awesome, Kate. And there's another whole uh, uh, dimension to this, Serena, that you uh, alluded to that I would like Mark to address, and that is the the responsibility of when, because uh, these extended reality kind of experiences, and, and that includes VR, AR, uh, 360 domes, and all of that. Uh, the dome is spatial augmented reality, technically speaking. Um, uh, start to become very powerful uh, broadband interfaces to the brain. And you have to take responsibility of how uh, the, the audience experience, you know, what are they experiencing and what are they leaving with and we're daily, we're, we're daily um, challenged uh, with advertisers who want access to the space, uh, to, uh, you, you know, entrepreneurial people who want to milk it for every penny they can, uh, with um, uh, different um, temptations and pressures uh, to, uh, you know, use this format in ways that might not respect people's nervous systems. Or conversely, uh, damage them. There's big money in the horror movement. So a lot of times the first question is, oh, we got this new horror franchise. Well, we're good at what we do. And, and, and the better we are at what we do, the more effective it is. And as we said, your neurology, Percy, when the sky changes, right, your, your neurology is, is adjusting to that and it's perceiving it as real. So if we put you in a war zone or in a, a, a or, or if someone does, if someone produces that, puts you in a war zone or a, or, or, or a terrifying horror space or you know, the, 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 the more we scare you, the more opportunity for PTSD or, or potentially irreversible, you know, for, for people that are already on the, the frayed edge, you know, the, uh, coming out of their, their daily lives, uh, you know, we have a choice. What direction do we want to take them? And we want to take them out of that state of anxiety and put them back in a state of balance and, and, and harmony. And, you know, I think we've taught our kids how to shoot each other and blow stuff up enough. And, and, and maybe now it's time to teach them how to play together again and how to feel safe and, and how to be uh, in awe of life and, and, and of the little things. And, and to do that in a commercially viable, 
cool hip sort of way uh to me that's that's living uh that's why i'm here and i've been very blessed to to you know become part of the vortex team and uh you know we take a great responsibility i'm so glad you guys are there it is timely it's wonderful it's artistic it's successful and hopefully it will be worldwide very soon so where do people go to learn more about it there's a website uh and uh, there you will get information about all the cities it's playing in, um, the artists, tickets, link to Eventbrite. And um, we also uh, have a very active uh, Facebook page and following there too. So I, I wish the three of you the best of luck. Really, I'm going to be watching you and rooting for you from the sidelines. We need more people like you in this business. So I've been speaking with Ed Lance, Mark Lazier, and Kate McCallum of the Vortex team. I encourage everyone to check them out on the web and to go see one of their productions. I just fell in love with it and I fell in love with this. everybody on this team. You guys are wonderful people doing great work. So for everyone listening, Thank you for spending the time with us. Remember what I tell you every day. I say, get up off that chair and go do something wonderful. Thanks for listening. This was OWC Radio. We're signing off and we'll talk to you again very soon.